and welcome back to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that explores Chinese history through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. And we are back again to discuss the next episode, or episode three, of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. In the last two episodes, we saw that our main character, Zhen Huan, gets chosen to be a concubine in the imperial palace of Emperor Yongzheng during the Qing Dynasty. So, what's next? Well, let's start off with a general recap. This episode is pretty simple. We follow how the four new ladies, Zhen Huan, her friend Shen Meizhuang, the poor An Lingrong, and the arrogant Xia Dongchun do in the palace. Basically, the ladies are brought to the palace and are settling in. Shen Meizhuang is placed in Changxitang. She has maids that she has brought with her from home and can pay tips to the eunuchs because her family is relatively powerful and wealthy. An Lingrong is by herself and does not give any money as tips because she is very poor. What's worse is that she's stuck sharing a palace with the haughty Xia Dongchun. Jin Huan is placed by the grace of a meddling Huafei to smaller and farther quarters within the palace. She now lives in Sui Yuxuan and shares the space with a younger girl, Chun Changzai, who is not even 14 when she is also selected to be a concubine. Ugh, doesn't that make your skin crawl? I mean, all of these ladies are very young, and they just gloss over the fact that, you know, there's this huge age discrepancy, but, you know, it is how it is. Anyways, this new girl is very cute and bubbly and loves to eat desserts. She and Jin Huan hit it off very quickly. Jin Huan also meets her new servants. Her main maid is called Jin Xi, and she has previously attended on former concubines and is quite kind to Jin Huan, giving her pointers on things here and there. The head eunuch is a man named Kang Luhai, who seems jovial enough. Jin Huan points out that she only wants loyalty and solidifies this by giving Kang Luhai a large sum of money. So in addition to Kang Luhai, Jin Xi, she also brought two maids from home, Remember her half-sister, Huan Bi, and another servant girl named Liu Zhu. There are a couple of other eunuchs and maids in the palace here and there. As everyone is settling in, we see that there are plenty of gifts being bestowed upon the various new ladies, including Jin Huan, Xia Dongchun, and Shen Meizhuang. These gifts, which include lavish jewels and fabrics, are from Huang Hou and Hua Fei, as they begin to create alliances within the palace. Jin Huan accepts the gifts, but does not use them. Instead, she tells her servants to document them and to put them in storage. She knows exactly what Huang Hou and Hua Fei are doing and tells her servants to keep quiet. I feel pretty bad for An Lingrong because she's not given many gifts since her family has no connections or power. She isn't a threat to anyone, but also can't be of help, so there's no point to her. She also has no money. <laughs> Xia Dongchun, who lives in the same palace as her, sees this and does not hesitate to make fun of her for it. Xia Dongchun also makes it known that she prefers gifts from Huang Hou over the ones from Hua Fei. And she basically shouts it from her door. And that's a pretty bad mistake. 
To make herself feel a little bit better, An Linrong goes to find Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang, who are at Jin Huan's palace. Upon hearing about An Linrong's situation, Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan give her some gifts that they've received, and An Linrong is very grateful. Here, though, the class difference is very evident in their interactions. An Linrong has no support, no money, and received no gifts. Despite being good friends, there is always going to be that distinction between her and the other two ladies. A few days later, the entire Hou Gong is presented to Huang Kou in their first official Qing An or greeting. Hua Fei, as is her MO, asserts her dominance over all of the ladies. Xia Dongchun is asked to speak, and she again makes it known that her clothes are from Huang Hou, much to the annoyance of Hua Fei. Shen Meizhuang gets into a little bit of trouble with Hua Fei and is bailed out by Jin Huan. When everyone is dismissed to leave, Xia Dongchun does not hesitate to follow Jin Huan, Shen Meizhuang, and An Lingrong out of the palace and continues to boast. Hua Fei is in the background hearing this entire conversation. But unfortunately, because Xia Dongchun has, you know, pissed off Hua Fei, once she's had enough, Hua Fei steps in and... We'll discuss this scene. After the encounter with Hua Fei, though, Chen Huan, Shen Meizhuang, and An Lingrong are shell-shocked by what they just experienced. They stumble to a remote corner of the palace and don't have a whole lot of time to recover before bumping into some eunuchs running away from something. Chen Huan goes to investigate because, you know, she's very brave and whatnot. And what does she find? She finds the body of Fu Zi in a well the same girl that was gifted to Hua Fei by Huang Hou in the first episode. Yep, this poor girl is dead. The news of Fu Zi's death travels quickly to Huang Hou, and she's extremely angry. Verbal jabs she can handle, but to kill a servant that she sent? That is pretty inexcusable, even for Hua Fei. Okay, you might think, why do I care about this maid right now? She's already dead but it'll pay off in the next episode. Jin Huan returns to her quarters, Su Yixuan, still in a daze from what she just witnessed. Her servants, however, are extremely excited to tell her the news that the new concubines will be able to uh, serve the emperor starting tomorrow night. They're all super excited, and they tell her that she is most likely going to be the first one chosen. But I don't think Jin Huan is very excited about that at all. In any case, Huang Hou's head eunuch named Jiang Fuhai goes to Hua Fei's palace, ready to interrogate her about the whereabouts of Fu Zi. But Hua Fei turns the tables and asks him where she went. Hua Fei simply says that she doesn't know where Fu Zi is. She acts shocked when Jiang Fuhai tells her the news that Fu Zi is dead. And that is the end of episode 3. So we know that the ladies are now in the palace and getting their first taste of what life will be like for the rest of their lives. I really like this scene because you see the difference between An Lingrong, Jin Huan, and Shen Meizhuang. Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang are more well-versed, I would say, on how to play by the rules of Hou Gong. 
They're constantly tipping the eunuchs around them and anybody who gives them a service. And the Yorong doesn't have that type of money and as a result is left to fend for herself. And she doesn't really know how to stand up to Xia Dongchun. Even her maid that they gave to her is just saying, what are you doing? You need, to, you need to stand up to yourself at least somewhat. And also what I think is interesting is that because you don't have money, not only is it the other uh, concubines who can be mean and rude to you, it is also the servants as well, which is something that is really, um, is really emphasized here. Well, you also see that there are eyes and ears everywhere in the Forbidden Palace. Xia Dongchun makes herself an easy target for Huafei because she's literally shouting her preference of Huang Hou to everyone. You see that in the scene where um, uh, the eunuchs are giving presents or giving gifts out to everybody. You see Huafei's head eunuch listening in to Xia Dongchun boasting about Huang Hou over Huafei. I also really like this episode because it's kind of, I think, one of the few uh, episodes in a drama to kind of go through what it's like to actually enter into the palace and the basic coming and goings. You do get an understanding of these key dynamics between the palace, you know, the alliances that are happening and just how you uh, manage how you manage a palace as an owner. Or um, as a master. As a master, that's what it is. Well, the big scene that we want to discuss today for this episode revolves around the official Ting An or greeting. This is the first time we see the new ladies meet the other concubines. And uh, let's just say that this Ting An is a life or death situation. We'll start with Jin Huan getting ready in the morning. One of the new maids suggests that she dresses lavishly for the event, but Jin Huan requests for the exact opposite. She says to dress and style normally. An official greeting or a ting an is a big deal. It's the first impression that you make on the other concubines in Hou Gong. Everyone is watching you, so you have to think about what type of impression you want to make. I currently don't think that Jin Huan knows how much she is favored by the emperor with the new title and everything, but she is smart to not show off too much. We are now at Jinrengong, Huang Hou's palace. The new concubines are presenting themselves to Huang Hou. Hua Fei, as usual, is still not there. She saunters in a little bit later. Um, when she does, everyone turns around to greet Huafei. There's a funny bug in the scene. You'll notice Cao Weiren on the top right of your screen, turning around to see where Huafei is during her curtsy. She doesn't know when to get up. And I swear, every single time we have a Ting'an, at least in the last couple of episodes, a ton of drama happens. I mean, to be fair, this is the only time all of the ladies get to be at one place at the same time. Um, so when else are they going to start showing off or when else are they going to start fighting each other? And this is kind of like, this is kind of like the battleground for them to kind of, instead of fighting in a Kung Fu fighting style, this is where verbal sparring happens. Yeah. Well, Huafei sits down and Tifei asks, you're up so late. Are you feeling unwell? I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't know why Tifei even does this and provokes Huafei. 
she never wins against her because what does Huafei do? Huafei responds in the most Huafei way and says, Huang Shang stayed up late reading documents, so I stayed up late with him. This morning, he told me to sleep in. All of the other concubines lower their eyes because she's boasting that Huang Shang was with her. Huafei then goes on to say, Huang Ho, you aren't mad, are you? <laughs> Huang Ho really is the only one that can handle this situation. Well, of course, she can't say, um, yes, I'm mad. She responds, well, today is the first time we meet the new concubines. We have new sisters here. They can keep us company. This is a subtle jab reminding Huafei that even though you are currently the favorite, these new ladies might take that from you. Xia Dongchun, being Xia Dongchun, actually says out loud to the girl next to her, who is Huafei showing off to? And of course, Huafei hears this. Huafei gives Xia Dongchun a dirty look. So this, in addition to Huafei's servants hearing Xia Dongchun uh, boasting about preferring Huang Ho, this already puts Xia Dongchun in a very bad place for Huafei. Well, it's time for the formal greeting with the three kneels from the ladies. Let me explain. All of the new ladies are presented to Huang Ho. They conduct what is called San Gui Jiu Ko. The translation is three kneels and nine bows, or kowtow. Basically, you get on your knees, kowtow three times, stand up, and do that a total of two more times. This is one of the most formal greetings that you can do. In this drama, however, the women kneel, but don't kowtow. Instead, they raise their right hand up to their temple three times. Apparently, this was done to substitute the bowing because back then, there was no hairspray, but the concubines had their hair piled very high on top of their heads in elaborate styles. So what could happen when you kowtow with that elaborate hair? It falls out. Having a bad or messy appearance is another sign of disrespect. So this was a compromise for the concubines. It was more of a practical matter to raise your hand up to your temple than to bow so many times and risk your hair falling out. At least this is what I read from an interview with the cultural etiquette instructor for the drama, who incidentally is also playing the imperial doctor, Wen Shichu. <laughs> Look at the seated concubines in the background when Jin Huan and the other ladies are doing the formal greeting. Everyone's yawning, looking away, whatever else. It's actually quite hilarious. I'm not even talking about the scene where it specifically pans to them yawning, but literally as they're performing the ritual. And I can't tell if it's because uh, they're actually tired, like the actresses are tired. <laughs> well, the bloopers of the scene are also quite hilarious because they kept having trouble coordinating everyone having the same timing for kneeling and the hand gestures. So everyone's just like, okay. Jin Huan, you're too early, or somebody in the back, you're too late. And it's just them practicing multiple, multiple times to actually get this right. <laughs> Huang Ho allows the ladies to stand up and tells the new ladies to meet the other concubines. The new concubines greet Hua Fei with a curtsy. And here, of course, she's got to show them who's boss. So what does she do? Hua Fei does not tell them to stand up. So they're still in their curtsies. Generally, once someone greets you, you allow them to get up immediately. 
as Huang Ho did earlier. Hua Fei does not. Instead, she starts having a conversation with Huang Ho and says, The jade that the Imperial Households Department sent this year isn't very good. They aren't very clear. It's hard to get good jade anymore. And she's completely ignoring the women in front of her on purpose. Huang Ho doesn't skip a beat and responds, Hua Fei, at your age, you don't need jade. So the ones that the Imperial Household Department sends you will never be newer jade. Hua Fei seizes the opportunity to respond, Of course, you're right. Jade is a bit old for me. I don't deserve to wear this. Huang Ho, if you don't think it's beneath you, I'd like to give you my pair of earrings. <laughs> Huang Ho does not take the insult. She says instead, I just received a set of eastern pearls, or Dongzhu, that I had made into earrings. If I accept your earrings, wouldn't that become too extravagant? Huangsheng wouldn't be very happy. She then gently reminds Hua Fei that the new concubines are still kneeling, and only then does Hua Fei tell them to get up. Okay, let's dissect what just happened here. Hua Fei compares the new ladies to Jade, saying that they aren't very good. Huang Ho, who obviously gets the reference, responds by saying that, of course, they don't compare to you. Hua Fei then takes the comparison to a different direction and makes the comparison to Jade itself. So Jade is usually worn on older ladies, and she makes the jab to Huang Ho, saying that she'll gift them to Huang Ho since Huang Ho is older and deserves them. Huang Ho here catches that comparison again and does not accept her gift, but instead mentions Eastern pearls, and she won't take Jade because of them. This may not seem like much. Pearls, what's the big deal? Well, Eastern pearls are actually very valuable. They're very difficult to find, highly regulated on where they can be picked, and are only sent sparingly to the royal court. Certain eastern pearls are restricted so that only the emperor, the empress, and the empress dowager can wear them, and those are called chaozhu. Even with Huafei's wealth, she cannot wear those types of pearls. So eastern pearls, if you compare them to jade, eastern pearls will always be a step above jade, um, no matter the type of jade that Huafei has. Huang Ho won't stoop down to wear jade if she has eastern pearls, Dongzhu. And if you look at Huang Ho's earrings in this scene, she does seem to be wearing pearls, whereas Hua Fei is wearing jade. I will have to give my props to Huang Ho. She knows she can't compete with Hua Fei on certain things, so she responds in the way she can, using the power bestowed upon her by her rank and title. Things that Hua Fei, no matter how much favoritism she has, cannot have. And again, this just shows how quick Huang Ho is on her feet. Anything that Hua Fei says, she has a response. I will note that uh, the significance of this Dongzhu or Eastern Pearl versus Jade discussion is actually very subtle. You would not know that Chaozhu or Dongzhu, these Eastern Pearls, were only reserved for the Emperor, Empress, and Empress Dowager if you didn't think too hard about it. You would just think, oh, it's just one valuable thing versus another valuable thing. Okay, Huang Ho doesn't want to be too extravagant. And that's why I think we really like this drama, because the subtlety is not something that everybody knows, and they're not explaining it fully. 
Guafe is obviously annoyed now and directs her ire towards Xia Dongchun. She just asks, "Who is Xia Dongchun?" And <sighs> the dumb Xia Dongchun greets her. Xia Dongchun is brash and actually looks at Huafei straight in the face. You'll notice that Song Zhi, Huafei's main servant, is in the background chuckling. Huafei comments on Xia Dongchun's appearance. The fabric must be very expensive. And Xia Dongchun responds, "Yes, this was a gift from Huang Ko. I wore it specifically for today." Huafei smirks and says, "At least you are a thankful person." And Xia Dongchun is like, "Thank you so much." Xia Dongchun is such a dumb girl here. She doesn't think she's done anything wrong and has gained the favor of the empress. However, she hasn't established herself yet, and now you're openly flaunting your allegiance to Huang Ko. This is a surefire way to make enemies. Are you sure Huang Ko even has your back? I don't think she's thought of these questions. Huafei, after she's done with Xia Dongchun, next turns towards Shen Meizhuang and Chen Huan. She asks for them, and they greet her. Notice they don't look directly at her, and that is the difference between them and Xia Dongchun. Their eyes stay down, and Huafei treats them much more seriously. They are legitimate threats. Huafei comments on the simplicity of Chen Huan's attire. If Chen Huan wore something extravagant, similar to Xia Dongchun, she wouldn't be left off the hook so easily, and would have most definitely been criticized for flaunting her wealth and interest from the emperor. Huafei continues to say, "Huang Shang has an eye for selecting beauties." This puts both Chen Huan and Shen Meizhuang at the disadvantage. Now the other concubines know exactly who to target. Huafei didn't say this to Xia Dongchun, but said it specifically for those two. Now Shen Meizhuang tries to appease the situation, and she comments on Huafei's beauty, saying that she's the true beauty of the palace. We are only fireflies. How can we compete? We cannot. Well, her choice of words, frankly, is pretty terrible because she uses the idiom "guose tianxiang" to describe Huafei's beauty, and Huafei immediately lashes on this and uses this as ammunition. So, what's the big deal? Guose Tianxiang is an idiom used to describe a stunningly beautiful woman. Seems pretty appropriate to you know say this to Huafei. The direct translation is national beauty, heavenly fragrance. This describes a peony flower, and who does the peony flower represent? As the national beauty, it should be the empress. Shen Meizhuang just inadvertently used a phrase reserved for Huang Ho on Huafei. You might you may not think this is a big deal. You literally just described Huafei as this beauty, but because of these nuances in wordplay of using the word national, you are invoking some other meaning, aka the empress. If Huang Ho wanted to, she could punish. Shen Meizhuang for disrespecting her and using and elevating the status of Huafei higher or to be equal to her. Huafei knows this and points out, "Oh, did you really mean for me to be Guose Tianxiang? Then what about Huang Ho?" Shen Meizhuang has no good response, and it looks like she's in deep trouble. But our main character Zhen Huan swoops in and saves the day. 
She says, Huang Hou rules over all of us like the moon shines brightly over the earth. Hua Fei's stunning beauty is like that of a shining pearl where we cannot compete. Pretty much, Shen Huan in quick succession uses four idioms. The first one is Mu Yi Tian Xia. The second one is Ming Yue Guang Hui, which is used to describe Huang Hou. Mu Yi Tian Xia is the phrase to describe Huang Hou as it literally means being the mother of the empire. Chen Huan still uses the same Wo Se Tian Xiang idiom that Shen Meizhuang uses for Hua Fei, but says that it's like Ming Zhu Cui Tan, a flashing pearl. This doesn't quite elevate Hua Fei to the status of the empress, and the use of Mu Yi Tian Xia trumps over everything. This gets Shen Meizhuang out of her bind, and Shen Meizhuang is obviously grateful for it. Well, Huang Hou is pretty impressed. Hua Fei is too, but not in a good way. Chen Huan just exposed herself as a quick thinker and one who is educated enough to keep up with Hua Fei. She thought of these idioms like right on her feet to help Shen Meizhuang out of this bind. And this is not the type of attention that Chen Huan wanted. That's why she dressed so plainly. Being put on the spot like that and showing kind of your hands is not what you want during your first qing an. Well, let's just say that at least Jin Huan has the common sense to still not look up at all during this exchange. Both Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang keep their eyes down during the entire exchange. Huang Hou wraps up the proceedings, reminding the ladies to focus on having children and not to get into squabbles of jealousy and to support each other. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Um, but hey, it seems like the ladies survived their first Qing'an, but it was a close one for Shen Meizhuang. Jin Huan, Shen Meizhuang, and An Lingrong leave together. And right outside the palace, Xia Dongchun catches up to congratulate Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang on being able to cater to both Huang Hou and Hua Fei. Xia Dongchun insults An Lingrong some more because she can't help it, and even asks Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan why they even bother giving stuff to servants. As we mentioned, Xia Dongchun does not understand the whole value of keeping your mouth shut in the Forbidden Palace. Anyone could be listening. And of course, who is listening to this conversation? None other than Hua Fei and her entourage as they walk out of Huang Hou's palace. They hear everything that's going on, but the ladies don't take notice. Instead, Xiao Dongchuan is still going on and on, saying, My family doesn't need this stuff. Shen Guiren sure knows how to bribe people. Jin Huan gets mad and wants to say something, but is stopped by Shen Meizhuang. You can't bring up your family in a situation like this. There will always be someone with a more powerful family. You're in the Forbidden Palace. Your family, no matter how powerful they may be, does not trump the royal family. She may have been a big fish in a smaller pond, but she's now just literally a minnow in Hougong. Indeed, Song Zhi, Hua Fei's maid, sneers to say the Xia family can't even lift a shoe compared to us, which is true. I don't know what happens with An Lingrong. Maybe it's because she's with her friends, but she finally grows a backbone and initiates the conversation. This part is quite clever. 
She praises Xia Dongchun's family for being a highly decorated military family. Xia Dongchun takes the compliment and rubs it in, saying, We've been courageous for generations. Nothing like your lowly family. An Lingrong then apologizes again for what happened at the selection. Jin Huan turns around because she doesn't quite understand what An Lingrong is trying to do. Well, An Lingrong continues. I went back to reflect on my actions after that day, and I realized that it must be because you come from a decorated military background, you must be educated in both letters and military acumen. No wonder you are so imposing. You truly represent your family. The phrase that she uses is xiaoyong, which means strong, brave, and imposing. This is generally positive, but also only for males. It can also be negative because it means that all you have is strength and not brains. It definitely has a negative connotation for females because females are not supposed to be strong or imposing. Uh, this again just speaks to the patriarchy, so we'll leave it at that. But women need to be meek and demure. So this is obviously an insult to Xia Dongchun, saying that she's masculine and has no brains. Xia Dongchun doesn't even realize this insult. She plays right into it and accepts the praise, saying, Of course, this is my family's tradition. Everyone around her starts giggling. They all get the insult, but Xia Dongchun doesn't. So the insult again is just saying, by using the word Xiaoyong, Xiaoyong shi jia, a Xiaoyong family, basically saying that Xia Dongchun is very militaristic and not very well read. Hua Fei can't take it anymore. How can someone in the palace be so dumb? And at the level of a Changzai, a first-class attendant, she signals for Zhou Ninghai, her head eunuch, to um, take care of Xia Dongchun. Yeah, it's, it's not looking pretty. <laughs> at this point, Xia Dongchun sees everyone laughing and finally figures it out. She's furious and lifts up a hand, looking to slap An Lingrong. Chen Huan stops the first attempt, but Xia Dongchun tries again. This time, she's stopped by Zhou Ninghai, Hua Fei's head eunuch. He grabs her arm and forces her to kneel. And it's time for Hua Fei to, um, how should I say, make her grand appearance. Hua Fei saunters over and says, The autumn views in the imperial garden are usually beautiful, but... Someone has broken this tranquility. Xia Dongchun has the gall to say, An Daying was disrespectful. I just wanted to punish her a little bit. Hua Fei, now furious, responds, Are the Empress and I no longer in Hougong? When did the Xia family start running the palace such that you need to start handing out punishments? I don't think you can handle the burden. Oh my goodness, you should look at the anger in Hua Fei's eyes. They are literally shooting out daggers. Xia Dongchun overstepped her authority. In a strict hierarchical society, this will not be tolerated. And, unfortunately, Hua Fei does not. Hua Fei has had enough with this girl, and this gives her the opportunity to dole out a punishment. Here is the literal killer line. Hua Fei says... The maple leaves here aren't red enough this year. To which Song Zhi, her maid, chimes in and says, I heard maple leaves need to be bleached with blood to become very red. 
Guafei says, "Oh, really? Then let's gift Xia Dongchun a Yi Zhang Hong. Then we'll use her blood to bleach the maple leaves in my garden." Well, Xia Dongchun and we, the viewers, don't know what Yi Zhang Hong is, and Zhou Ninghai cold-heartedly explains to us. Well, this is a form of palace torture. A long, thin wooden stick called zhang is used to beat your lower body until everything is reduced to a bloody mess. The red or hong from far away looks amazingly beautiful, and that is why it is called yi zhang hong. This is a word pun. The zhang is a unit of measurement, but is also Um, a different zhang is used is a stick that is used to beat to uh, to actually perform the torture,、um, and also the name is pretty accurate because you are literally reduced to a pile of red. Xiao Dongchun hears this and slumps to the ground. She is absolutely petrified. What a terrifying punishment, and one that is so severe too. She starts begging Huafei for forgiveness, but it's too late. She is dragged away for this punishment to be executed. If this doesn't kill her, at the very least, she will be disabled for the rest of her life. Okay, this is crazy. The title of Yi Zhang Hong doesn't seem terrible, but the actual punishment is so brutal. People may be familiar with medieval torture chambers in Europe, but the types of torture and punishment techniques in China、um, were also really, really bad. If not more brutal, Huafei turns to the remaining ladies and reminds them that just because you three aren't punished doesn't mean that you are off the hook. Go back to your palaces and reflect on your actions. An Lingrong is rightfully scared out of her minds, and her knees give way. I mean, I would too. Someone basically just got killed in front of their eyes. And oh my gosh, we thought Xia Dongchun would be a much bigger character in this drama, but it's only episode three out of seventy-six, and she is killed off. Huafei just showed us exactly what she is capable of. She was pissed off that Xia Dongchun was openly aligning with Huang Hou, and because Xia Dongchun was just really dumb, she needed to get rid of her. Xia Dongchun did herself no favors by being so stupid. Word travels fast about everything you do or say. She did not have the clout to protect herself, and look at that. Huafei doesn't even care about her family. Like I just killed your daughter. Who cares? You can't do anything about me. As a lowly first-class female attendant, how are you going to compete with a favored consort and one with a powerful brother? You can't. You flaunt your supposed power. You die. Funnily enough, later in the episode, when Huang Hou finds out about Xia Dongchun's fate. She doesn't really care about it. She even agrees with Huafei. Like we said earlier, Xiao Dongchun didn't even get assurance of protection from Huang Hou, so Huafei didn't have any reservations to serve out her punishment. Basically, what the ladies learned here is that Hou Gong is a cruel place. It's truly life or death, and this was just the result of the first Qing An. Somebody's dead. I also want to note that the actress who plays Xiao Dongchun is named Ying Er. She's actually quite well known in the Chinese entertainment industry, at least when this was being broadcast. 
She had acted, even headlined more dramas than, for example, the actresses for An Ningrong and Shen Meizhuang. Therefore, when this drama was airing, everyone was completely shocked that such a big-name actress would be killed off within three episodes of a 76-episode drama. This showcases the unpredictability of the characters in this show. You're kind of always wondering who will live and who will die. And remember during the selection in episode two, just the last episode, how Huang Shang told Jin Huan how he would not let her as a beauty wither and die in the palace because it is a place that nurtures beauty? Just one episode later, we see that that was complete BS. <laughs> so what happens next? Pretty much, the three ladies, Jin Huan, An Lingrong, and Shen Meizhuang, walk away shocked and scared. They come across some servants running away from something. Jin Huan, being brave, goes to check it out and finds the dead body of Fu Zi in a well. She is further shocked, and they each scurry away back to their quarters, absolutely scared of what happened that day. In the next episode, we'll see how Jin Huan handles the situation. And remember, these new concubines are able to serve the emperor now. And we'll see who becomes a favorite in the next episode. I also want to note and emphasize here that even though we've been saying how Hua Fei has been brash and ruthless, she is also smart. She is able to pick up on tiny details such as the mistaken phrase used by Shen Meizhuang. Hua Fei can turn conversations around very easily and insult people in the most passive-aggressive way. Yes, she does benefit from having a powerful brother, but she's no walk in the park either. She knows how to solidify her power in Hokong either through bribery or money or through these like scare tactics and is ruthless when she needs to be. Perhaps she's more ruthless than is strictly necessary, but she is not dumb by any measure. There is a reason why she is able to survive and attract the attention of Huang Shang. We also see in the episode that Shen Meizhuang is not quite as adaptable as Jin Huan. She can't get herself out of her bind earlier in the Qing An scene. Okay, to be fair, I don't think many people could. Um, and we also see that An Lingrong is no pushover either. She showed that she could handle herself in front of Xia Zhengchun. She just doesn't have a family to back her up. And that's it for this episode. The drama was confined to just the ladies today. And we already have one dead body from Fu Zi and another brutal punishment with Xia Dongchun. Let's see what happens in the next episode when the new concubines become available to the emperor. Thank you for listening to Chasing Dramas, and we will catch you in the next episode. <laughs>